before we get started and dive into all this goodness, just want to say thank you for being here. Please, if you will, send us the biggest virtual hug by spreading the word of Dream Big Live Slow. Tell a friend that you think would love this podcast. Reach out to us, share us on social media at Dream Big Live Slow or at TLRA and pop into our DMs. Let us know, leave us a review and hit that follow button. That is the biggest gift you can give us if you are enjoying these episodes. Okay, here's the show. Hustle culture is cute in theory, but eventually it leads to burnout and lack of fulfillment. Then again, as enticing as it sounds to sit in meditation for years as a monk, abandoning Western culture altogether is not really an option for most of us. So where is the in-between? I like to think of it as a world where dreaming big and living slow coexist. I'm Tia, host of Dream Big Live Slow, a podcast for entrepreneurs like myself seeking a life of soul-filled work that still allows time for those slow moments that make us feel the most alive. Join me as we break down realistic mindfulness tools used by real entrepreneurs working towards a life of both dreaming big and living slow. Also, be sure to check out the end of every solo cast episode for free guided meditations. All right, let's do this thing. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for being here today. I am beyond excited to have Rachel Cable here from Australia, Sydney, Australia, joining us to share all of her wisdom. She is an Australian author. She's also a mindfulness coach and the host of another mindfulness podcast, the Mindful Kind Podcast. So Rachel, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to dive in. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I've been looking at your work and it's absolutely beautiful. I am just blown away by your incredible storytelling and your incredible work. So I'm really excited to be here. Thank you again for having me. You are so sweet. Awesome. Well, can you get started by maybe telling us a little bit about your kind of journey into entrepreneurship and becoming a mindfulness coach and author, host of a podcast, doing all the things? Yeah, so it wasn't really something that I expected to happen. I experienced a lot of stress and anxiety when I was growing up and I felt really alone and really isolated and I didn't know who to talk to about it. I didn't know how to make sense of the thoughts that I was having and the feelings that I was experiencing. And so I felt really motivated to go to university and study psychology. And it was there that I started learning some really helpful techniques and strategies and started to understand things a little bit better. And I decided to start volunteering on a helpline at the Anxiety Recovery Center, which is where I learned about mindfulness. And it was kind of funny, actually. At first, I didn't really think that mindfulness was going to be helpful. It seemed too simple and I was used to planning things all the time and I thought that that was like my strength and I didn't realize how much stress it was actually causing. So when I started practicing mindfulness and bringing my attention into the present moment, it seemed simple, but the benefits that I started to experience were incredible and I just became really excited to share all the things I was learning. And so I started the podcast and everything just kind of rolled on from there. I 
didn't have a plan to become an entrepreneur. It just kind of happened. That's incredible. And what has that journey been like since then? I mean, where are you at now? How does entrepreneurship look for you right now? It's been an incredible journey, definitely challenges, definitely exciting times. It's been a very fluid journey, I think. It's been something that has changed from day to day. And at first, it was a real challenge. I think being an entrepreneur isn't really something that feels natural to me. I didn't sell anything for years. So I was working part-time jobs to try and support myself. I guess really the business was more of a hobby than an actual job for me for a long time. And I had to get serious about that at one stage. It was maybe three or so years ago, I was talking to my partner and we just were talking about the future and the things that we want to do, not just professionally, but also personally. And I decided that if I wasn't going to start taking the business seriously, then we wouldn't be able to do the things that we wanted to do. And so I think I got a bit real with myself and I said, you know, I think that the business is going to have to be more than just me doing things the majority of the time for free and just having fun with it and doing the things that I enjoy. I think I'll have to push myself a little bit. And so once I started doing that, I found this nicer balance between still being able to do the things that I loved to do, the creative stuff and connecting with people and sharing things that I was learning but also taking the business side of things a bit more seriously. So tracking my finances and, you know, emailing people with pictures and things like that. So it's definitely a bit of a balancing act for me. I still don't feel like I've got it right. I'm learning all the time. I definitely resonate with that in that it's like when you're so passionate about something, it can be a little intimidating to turn it into a business because, you know, it's so close to your heart. So I'm wondering, you know, did you navigate that a little bit and how did you navigate that? Yeah, I think it's a tricky thing to work through, especially because when you start the business or for me, when I started the business, I was so passionate and I felt like as soon as I started trying to charge for things and lock myself into contracts and things like that, it did take away some of the joy a little bit. And I think I just had to understand that that's part of it too, that having a successful business means that I have to be earning money because, you know, <laughs> I've got a home and I want to be moving forward with different things and getting married this year. Like there's all these different things that you just need to have money for. That's the reality of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's just something that I talked a lot about really with my partner, especially because he supports me a lot with the business and we do work as a team in a lot of different ways. So I think he was great because he kept me accountable. But I think as well, because I had spent such a long time building a community of really wonderful people and I wanted to genuinely create resources for them that were going to be helpful. And so it kind of became a little bit easier in that sense that I had all these ideas, I guess, for products that I wanted to sell. I just hadn't had that real driving motivation to create them and charge properly for them. But once I had that motivation to do it, it was a lot easier than what I thought it was going to be. And it felt, I guess, empowering is the word. I started to feel like, wow, I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful to, you know, 
I think we do deserve to do what we're passionate about and not only have to do it for free. And we're all grateful that you share your gifts with the world. So can you dive into a little bit of some of the work that you specifically do and some things that you coach people through in terms of your mindfulness work and you know stress management or how do you help people be more present? Can you talk a little bit about those things and how you help others and even your own experience navigate those? Yeah, yeah, of course. So for me, I really love variety. I knew that I didn't want to rely on just one thing and be doing one thing all the time. So when I started doing my coaching, I knew that I didn't really want to be doing lots of client sessions all the time. So I was really strict about the boundaries that I wanted to set around that. I only opened up my calendar on certain days and I kept other days for creative work. So I was doing the coaching and then I also have created meditation albums. So I studied meditation as well and had a lot of fun creating those. I worked with my partner to develop the meditations from scratch and he created the music because he's a musician as well. So it's been like this really creative journey of just like, what's something that I can create that I know is going to be helpful for people? And then last year, I created a mindfulness online course, which was so much fun. And I just feel like it's been this higher level of supporting people to consistently practice mindfulness. Like I found that I love doing the podcast and I share a lot of different strategies and tips, but you know, it's just a weekly podcast. It's not a real program. And so I wanted to create that next level experience for people where they could actually work a bit closer with me to develop a mindfulness practice that was consistent because I know that that's more likely to create those benefits in people's lives. So it's just been this opportunity, I guess, to help people level up a bit more. And I've had to step up alongside that too. So it's been kind of fun actually. And it's exciting not always knowing what's going to come next around the corner. That's beautiful to hear about, you know, like those that you work with their growth and then your growth alongside them. I think that that's the beautiful part of kind of doing this coaching work in general and this inward work. I really admire that. With some of you know your own experience of you mentioned like the benefits of a consistent practice and getting consistent. Can you talk a little bit about maybe both of those on what are the benefits that you've seen or your clients have seen or those who take your course? And how do they kind of a brief overview of developing consistency, of course? Yeah, definitely. So consistency for me was something that I struggled with for a long time. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about helping people with that. So I think I went into practicing mindfulness and meditation with this idea of I'm going to sit down for an hour every day and I'm going to be super focused and super present and that's what my mindfulness practice will look like. And straight away, it just didn't work that way for me. And I think a lot of people would struggle with that because especially having a very overactive mind and also being a bit of a perfectionist, I put a lot of pressure on myself to have these perfect practices. So my mind would start to wander all the time and then I'd get frustrated. And so it was this really intense, not very nice experience. And so I started to get a bit more creative with my mindfulness practice. I started to implement it into my life in things that I was already doing. So for example, if I was having a cup of coffee in the morning, rather than scrolling through Instagram at the same time, I'd actually feel 
the mug in my hands and taste the flavor and smell the aroma and just look at the world around me and observe what's happening. Like it's just, it doesn't have to be this really formal strict practice. It can just be something that you incorporate by becoming a bit more present, being curious about your experiences in the world around you. And I think that's where consistency can be built from is when you find ways to practice mindfulness that fit really well into your life and don't necessarily take a whole lot of time and also don't put a lot of pressure on you. So that's really what I try to teach in my course is how to uh, create your own mindfulness practice using the foundational skills and techniques, but then fitting it into your own unique life because what works for me might not work for somebody else. So it's really finding that unique fit. I actually love it because I think that when there's no one way to do something, it means that there's room for experimentation and playfulness and having fun and seeing what works and being flexible. Like I think it just creates all these opportunities for these wonderful experiences. And then also coming back to the benefits as well, I think that that can be quite a unique experience too. I've had clients that have felt more energized because they're less stressed. And when they're focusing on one thing at a time, it actually becomes less overwhelming and you're rushing less. And so you can conserve your energy a little bit better. I've had clients who have had stronger relationships because they're listening more and they're being more open-minded and less judgmental. And I know the same is true for me. I've got much stronger relationships now than I did before I started practicing mindfulness because I learned about how important it is to be present. And I guess I learned that skill of being able to disconnect from unhelpful or stressful thoughts about the past or the future and just bring myself back into the present moment and be there with someone. And then I experienced better sleep because I learned ways to actually calm myself down. So rather than lying in bed at night and just thinking over and over all these different mistakes that I've made in the past or being stressed about the next work day, I was focusing on my breath and feeling that moving in and out of my body. And it's kind of incredible, like all the different things that can happen. Yeah. I love hearing about your experience. And that made me think when you're talking, I'm curious more because I know you do quite a bit of work with stress management. You probably have some tips maybe. Like what are some of the top things that, you know, quick little ways that people can use these practices or what are some practices to reduce stress in the moment? Because, you know, this, a lot of our listeners are people looking to, you know, continue pursuing their dreams, their goals, their business ventures, but also wanting to experience more slowness. And I think part of that is cultivating it through the mind, perhaps. And stress is often associated with that hustle culture, hustle mindset. So, and I think, yeah, it'd be really powerful if you have any little tips for listeners in regards to stress management. Yeah, definitely. So, One of the first things that I do like to talk about is taking a look at some of the stress triggers that might be recurring in your life and seeing if there's any way to either eliminate those or reduce them. So for me, I know that, for example, my emails were a source of stress for a really long time and I decided to create some boundaries around that. So rather than having my emails tab open all the time and checking my emails first thing in the morning, I now have dedicated times during the day when I sit down, I check the emails, I deal with them right then and there, and then I know that I don't have to think about it again. Whereas what I used to do was I'd 
check my emails all the time. And then I knew that there were emails I had to reply to. And so I'd have that in the back of my mind just all the time, especially if it was just before I was going to bed. Like I'd see an email and think, oh, I have to take action on that, but I can't do it right now. And then I'd still be thinking about it. So I think it's really, really important to actually take a look at the sources of stress that might be in your life and see if there are some ways to actually reduce that stress if possible. I think that's a really good first step. And then in terms of managing stress, I mean, there's so many different techniques. And again, I think different things work for different people. But for me personally, breathing techniques are so powerful and so accessible and I use them multiple times during the day. I take mindful work breaks if I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed or even before, like I've done big presentations for corporations and in libraries and things like that. And I remember the launch of my book, like I was so, so nervous before that first event. And so I'm using these breathing techniques all the time to help manage that stress, but also find a little bit more clarity because I find that sometimes when stress is getting stronger, my mind just feels so cloudy and it's really hard to think clearly. So yeah, breathing techniques are wonderful and there's so many different ones to use. I mean, even just something simple like placing my hand over the center of my chest and feeling that rising and falling sensation of my chest as I breathe. And another one that I really enjoy is the relax with the exhale. So taking a deep breath in and then as you exhale, consciously releasing any tension that you might be holding in your body, because we don't realize that when we're stressed, we tense our muscles and it can happen without us even knowing. And so taking the time to release that physical tension can be quite a powerful way of decreasing stress. So yeah, I always love talking about breathing techniques. (laughs) I think they're great. Yeah, same for me. Breathing was like my first introduction into mindfulness. And it's really just a way to actually get out of your mind and into the body. And and the body holds the present, you know? So I love that. That's so helpful. Do you, throughout the course of your business, growing it, it becoming your full time work, do you struggle at all with motivation and you know how do you stay motivated passionate I'm just curious everyone's story is a little different there so yeah honestly I find it really difficult and some days I am so excited about the future and I have all these ideas and then other days I feel just flat and like I want to take a break and I think honoring that is important, but I also think that it's important to keep moving forward even when I'm not necessarily feeling totally motivated. I think that motivation can be just like happiness in that it's fleeting and it doesn't always need to be present in order for us to be moving forward. So for me, on those days when I am feeling a bit flat, I will do more I guess, activities and tasks in the business that help me feel excited again. Like I'll take a learning day. I'll schedule a day just to listen to podcasts and read a book on business or dive into some kind of course because I've signed up for quite a few courses over the years. So I'll take that kind of learning day just to kind of reset and because I love learning as well. So I find that very energizing and I always feel quite motivated by the end of that. And of course, like finding new ideas and things to implement gives me that little bit of focus for moving forward too. So that's something that I really do love to do when I'm feeling a bit like I just don't have the energy. 
But also I think it's important to talk, to find people to talk to about business because I think I spent a long time trying to get through it by myself and it's hard work. Like there's so much to deal with and there's so many emotions that come up as well and it's hard to feel inspired when you're just especially working from home and being alone most of the time. Like it's just it's very easy to not feel excited. So I think talking to people is amazing and playing music and things like that, that actually get that energy back up. Those are such creative ideas. I love that. When you were talking about the learning day, it reminded me of with my meditation practice, it's a huge piece of my daily sit motivation is I usually start with reading some sort of mindfulness related book whether that's something ancient wisdom focused or even modern science, but just reading something that gets me re-inspired of, oh, this is why I do it. So I love that idea for overall business inspiration too. That's super creative. To shift gears a little bit, you were making me think of how balance outside of work, you know, taking a step back is also important and staying motivated, I think, so you don't burn out. And I'm curious, like, what you're doing outside of work. Do you have hobbies that keep you motivated? Do you find those important pieces of the puzzle for you? Oh yeah, absolutely. I love hobbies. I love trying new things. I love going outside my comfort zone. So all of that is a really big part of what I do to stay motivated and to have more fun as well. I think it's really important. So I... I mean, some of the hobbies at the moment that I'm doing, I've been learning about Qigong and practicing that a little bit. I love doing yoga. I read a lot of books. We just recently moved to a new place and it's been really cool. I went down to the local library and signed up for a card and got some books and I've just been loving that. Like it's just been such a nice thing to do, just reading fiction books because I haven't done that for a long time. I think I got very focused on learning about mindfulness and learning about business. So I was pretty much only reading nonfiction, but I forgot how much I enjoyed getting lost in a story. And yeah, so that's been really fun. But I like learning languages a little bit too. Like I'm not really fluent in anything. I just like the challenge of understanding something new. So I've been using that Duolingo app to learn Italian and I've signed up for a sign language course. So I've been working through that as well. And I love walking and being out in nature and I am going to start relearning how to play piano. So yeah, I don't know. There's lots of different things that I really love to do. And I think it's just fun to experiment with different things now and then. And I have a journal where I actually just track all my different habits and hobbies and things like that. Not because I'm trying to put pressure on myself, but more just to see like, where am I spending my time and keeping that accountability for prioritizing the hobbies. Cause I think they're so easy to fall away from sometimes, but they're so important. So yeah, that's a bit of an overview, but who knows what I'll be doing next week. It changes all the time. <laughs> no, I think that's really lovely because I think as entrepreneurs, it's also easy to like, instead of doing a truly restful hobby, doing a hobby that is really just relating back to the business or, you know, benefiting the business in some way. So it's like just reading fiction is powerful for an entrepreneur. 
And what does your like daily self-care routine kind of look like? Or do you have a routine? How do you care for yourself in the middle of your regular work day? Yeah. So my days don't really have routines, but I do, I've had routines in the past and I think I've learned what works well for me. And I've just incorporated that into my everyday life now. So I had the routines for a long time because they were super helpful in just developing that structure. But now I feel like I've got the freedom to experiment a little bit more depending on how I feel. So I start the day sort of around 6.30, 7 o'clock, let the doggies out, have a bit of a play with them. I've got two little Cavalier King Charles and they're just so adorable and so loving. And all they want to do first thing in the morning is just cuddle and play. And so I always make time for that. And then, yeah, just doing like my morning sort of regular things, having breakfast and things like that. And then I find that I work best in the morning. So I really try to protect that time for creative work and for things that need a lot of attention because I find that after I've had lunch, I find it very hard to concentrate sometimes. So I normally leave more of the admin tasks or like email kinds of things or recording things for the afternoon. And then over nighttime, I like to include some kind of relaxing wind down routine. So often doing just yoga, like I like having the lights off and just doing a really slow stretching session with like candles or my diffuser going or something like that, just something really relaxing, either that or taking a bath or reading a book or something slow like that. So, and not every day is the same. It it changes quite a lot. I really do enjoy working out in the mornings as well because I find it gives me such a good boost of energy and it just like, I don't know, I really enjoy it. So, but even with that, I find that I get bored if I do the same thing over and over. So I sign up for different apps pretty regularly. Like I'll do one kind of like workout program and then I'll change and do something different and different styles too. So I'll do a bit of strength training and then a bit of you know high intensity interval training or whatever that's called. I think it's HIT or something they call it. And Pilates, like I just like mixing it up. I think that's really important and the key to having fun and enjoying those things as well. Yeah, that is so fascinating to me, especially that you said, you know, you started with a more structured routine and then moved into, it sounds like more intuitive, you know, use of all of your routine or all of your practices. And I'm curious, you know, how you balance that or how you knew, how you developed that how you still stay motivated to do it without having any strict (laughs) structure. Yeah, this actually took me a long time. And the thing that I've found most helpful, I tried a whole lot of different things. I tried having to-do lists. I tried having a written out schedule, like literally from nine until 10, I'll work on my podcast. From 10 until 11, I'll write some online course content or something like that. So I had, like, I tried those. I didn't really like it. And now what I'm doing is I just track my time. So I use a free online tool called Clockify and I just track what I spend my time on basically. And I feel like it's kind of fun. Like it keeps me a bit motivated because I like getting to the end of the day and looking back and being like, oh, cool. I spent two hours on this thing today and I can set some goals around how much time I want to spend And the other cool thing actually that I realized about that was that I don't need to spend a whole lot of time doing focused work on the business because I am a really effective, efficient worker. 
And I get through things really quickly if I'm giving it my 100% focus and attention. But I think what I used to do was I felt like there was this pressure to be working an eight-hour day. And what would happen was I'd just burn out and I'd be like on all the gossip websites just to distract myself or I'm reading articles on Medium or you know, things like that, because I just didn't have the energy to sustain an eight hour workday in a creative business. So for me, I can sort of do four to five hours of focused work at a maximum each day. And so if I get to the end of the day and I know I've done that, then I feel like, cool, you know, that's great. If I get a bit less, then, you know, sometimes that's the way it goes and I can make up for it later if I want to, but I don't have to. I try not to have too many rules around it because I think I can just be a bit too much of a perfectionist and I get down on myself if I haven't achieved those goals 100%. So I try to be a bit intuitive and flexible with that as well. That's beautiful. Yeah, I'm really intrigued by your journey with perfectionism and navigating it. I think that probably so many in the entrepreneurship or even creative space are navigating perfectionism in their work and even criticism, fear of criticism. Is that something you can speak more to on your journey with both of those things? Yeah, absolutely. I honestly have been through so many different phases where perfectionism has just thrown me for a loop and it's completely demotivated me. It's almost multiple times I've almost stopped doing business-related things because of that fear of not being perfect or of making mistakes, especially with my podcast and things like YouTube videos where people can leave comments and reviews and, you know, one star or they don't like it and I would overthink it and it would really hurt. Like, and sometimes I'll get emails from people who are like, I don't agree with this thing. And I feel like it's just so hard. And I know that a lot of people find that, but I think for a perfectionist, especially like it just makes me want to overcompensate. I think as well. So I will work even harder and I'll get rid of my boundaries around my good work Mm. because I want to try and make up for things that I now feel like are mistakes or that I've done wrong. So it's definitely something I've had to create a lot of self-compassion around. And again, I think talking is so underrated, but it's been something that's been so helpful for me is just being able to talk with my partner deck or call another friend who I know has a business and just be able to say, I got this review. I'm feeling a bit upset about it. Like I don't need to fix anything. I just kind of want to get it off my chest or maybe I'll just write it down or I'll take a bit of a break from the business. I think that like just, you know, for an hour and go for a walk or something just to get out of that mindset and to create that little bit of perspective. Cause I think in the moment when something first comes through, it's just such an intense feeling. And I almost need to step away from that to have a bit of space, calm down a little bit, use those breathing techniques, play with my dogs, you know, little things like that. So I can look back and say, you know, this is just one review. I'm not going to be liked by everyone and that's okay. You know, getting all that perspective I think can be so important. But really just understanding that sometimes those things hurt and there's not much more that I can do about it except give it time and be patient with it. It's really tricky. That's beautiful. What came to mind was when you said you were taking space was like being with the physical sensation, because when things like that happen for me, I just feel it so strongly in my body and just being with it in the body, not trying to change it. That is, yeah, definitely 
what you you were making me think of when those things happen. And that's that's really powerful to just admit like, okay, it's okay that it hurts <laughs> and stings and but it doesn't have to consume me long term, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's such a visceral feeling. Like it's just so overwhelming. And yeah, I think just creating space is really the only way to be dealing with it in that moment, I think, because pushing it away just creates stress in other areas and it comes back later. And yeah, I think that's just the best way that I've found for me personally moving forward with that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's so, so valuable. So when you think of a life where you are both dreaming big and living slow and kind of hitting that sweet spot, what do you envision that looking like for you? Yeah, for me, it is quite intuitive, but it's making space for both of those things as well. It's having the time to even just step back from working and say, what do I want for the future and what excites me and what's going to fulfill me and being able to take small actions on that all the time as well, I think is really important. But for me, the living more slowly is being more mindful. Like it's just being more present. It's doing things with more intention. It's spending time with the people I care about and doing my hobbies and having fun with those things and being present for that. So if I'm doing one thing, if I'm dreaming big, then I want to be doing that. And if I'm living slowly, then I want to be doing that. And I think you can do both, but maybe not always necessarily at the same time. I think that's just what I think for me personally. Oh, that's such a unique answer. That's so good because to be present in both is, that's beautiful. And I mean, very insightful. So good. Is there anything else that you want to leave our listeners with before we kind of wrap up? Anything else that, you know, comes to mind with dreaming big and living slow in your entrepreneurship journey? Yeah, I think if there's one thing to leave this episode with, it's that you can do really awesome things and you can also have a really fulfilling life as well. It doesn't have to be that one way or the other. And I think that being intuitive can take time. So build those structures first, experiment to find what works well, and then just take it from there and see how you want to move forward. And I think as well, always get that support from people, whether it's having a mastermind or having a coach or having just someone else that you can talk to. I think those things are really important. So yeah, I think that's a big one. Find the right support. Amazing. Amazing. So Rachel, how can people work with you and you know, obviously listen to your podcast? How can they find it all? We'll link everything that you say in the show notes. So <laughs> yeah, amazing. Well, if you just head over to my website, which is rachelcable.com, you'll find everything there. There's my podcast, which is also available on all those podcasting apps. And then my book is also called The Mindful Kind. And on my website, you can find my coaching services and my courses as well. Amazing. Awesome. I can't wait for everyone to check out your work and I can't wait to dive further in. I really want to get my hands on your book, but thank you so much for being here. It has been so lovely and I can't wait for everyone to listen. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me and have a beautiful day. 
Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, if these stories, if these tools, if these meditations are doing something for you, if you are enjoying them, they're resonating and they are bringing you peace, please help spread the word. Send it to a friend that you think might like it or share us on social media at Dream Big Live Slow or at Teal Array or hop in my DMs. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you'd like to hear more of, but just from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for listening and for being here and for doing this work alongside me. I'd love your help in reaching more humans like us who are working to both dream big and live slow. So thank you in advance. Love you very much. All of my love to you. Have the best day. Mwah.